as a continuation of what our worship and what I've seen in worship with the heart and then um, even what Tom was saying about the heart. All week I've been studying when I would look up um, images for uh, look up images for graphics that I was throwing up on, on the interwebs. Um, I would find hearts. Anytime you'd look up love, I was looking for things for love because the series is about love and you see hearts everywhere. You see pretty hearts and decorative hearts and all these different hearts and these cool hearts and um, but the hearts kept popping up, so I was like, maybe you're trying to say something here. <laughs> so I began to study and see exactly about this whole heart thing. And I looked up in the Greek, and it's cardia, is the word for heart. It's mentioned over a thousand times in the Bible. Um, and what's interesting is, if you look, I looked at a bunch of secular articles, just articles people had written, and then I looked at, you know, biblical history in the Greek. Um, and traditionally, especially in America, we... We look at the heart like, like we separate the mind and the heart. We, we say, okay, well, the mind is the logic, and it's the thing that, that helps us understand things, and, and it's where we have knowledge and everything, and then the heart is our emotions, right? Have, have you all kind of heard that or, or think that? And I thought the same thing. Well, you don't follow your heart because you're just, just your emotions, or you know, there's like this battle between the mind and the heart, and then we need them to agree and different things like that. But in Scripture, this word cardia, which is mentioned over a thousand times, has those two tied together. It was interesting. Everything that I found tied the mind and the knowledge and the, and the information with the heart. Also, a bunch of other things. Like, it tied so many other things to the heart. When, when Scripture would use the word heart, it would, they would, it would describe our soul. It would describe our being. It was, it was basically everything that makes us who we are. It was all of us. I, you know... Everything that we are, it was the heart, and it, was, it included the mind in it. I thought that was really interesting because I always separated those two. Um, and then I started looking at some of, like, medical stuff, and I asked Emily a few questions about it, too, just asking her kind of about the heart because she's in the middle of studying for it. Um, but some of the research I did online says 75, 75 to 80% of illness is mental and emotional, which is what the world would call the heart. Um, and it, it's transferred into physical ailments. Um, also found out heart disease is the number one killer. And the number one or the leading cause of heart disease is, what do you think? Stress. Stress. So it's stress on the heart. Now, these are all physical things, but what's interesting is, uh, and like I was talking to Emily, I asked her, I was like, well, the heart, and I kind of understood some of this, but basically the heart can survive without the brain, but the brain can't survive without the heart. <laughs> the heart basically pro- provides blood and circulation for everything. It's, it's the center of, of who we are physically. But there are a lot of physical things in there. I mean, physical. Of course there's physical things. There's a lot of spiritual things in there, too. Um, and I found several of them. So in Mark 7.21, you don't have to turn to these. I'm going to blow through these real quick, and then we're going to get to Philippians. But Mark 7.21 says, um, speaking of our old covenant, what we're born into, it says, from within, out of people's hearts come evil thoughts. How do thoughts come out of a heart? I found that interesting. From within, out of people's hearts come evil thoughts. Now, that's old covenant. That's our old heart. Now, Jeremiah 31, 33 says, I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. Now, that's new covenant. And that's when Jesus comes into our hearts. So these are two things that I thought were really interesting because in Mark, he says it comes out of our heart. And then Jeremiah, God says he's going to write his teaching. He's going to put his law in our heart. Those, those things you normally relate to the brain, right, to mind. It's teachings and understanding and, and, and thoughts come out of your mind. But this says it comes out of your heart. Now, these things, though we're looking through Scripture, these things are actually written on our hearts. So we're going to jump forward to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. 
And it says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, something I noticed last week when we were talking about fear and deception from the enemy, I got several texts during the week of people that were encouraged by that, and and it really zeroed in on it, like we kind of struck a nerve there with fear and anxiety and and those kind of things. And and as I began to look at that, I began to see, well, what, what does the Bible have to say about it? What does the Bible have to say about anxiety and fear? And it says right here, don't worry about anything. And the New King James says, worry about nothing. And I did a Greek study on the word nothing, and it means nothing. (laughs) But in in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. What's interesting here is, the way that I used to understand Scripture, and the way I used to understand prayer after I got saved, was that I had to work really hard. And this is kind of before we understood grace really clearly, is that I had to work really hard to earn enough righteousness to gain God's favor that he would answer my prayers. Basically, I was trying to manipulate God to doing what I wanted him to do as if God worked for me, right? (laughs) But this says, come to him in thanksgiving. Why? Because there's nothing that we can do to gain his favor, right? I mean, yeah, I know. Thank God. (laughs) But what's interesting, isn't that a lot of times how we pray, we we pray like we're we're trying to twist God's arm into doing what we want him to do. But, But what's interesting is it says, pray with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought. Now, how many, how many think that Christian saved people can have um, bad thoughts or, or fearful thoughts or um, anxiety in their... Do you think we, we can have that? Why is that? Why, why, can we, why can we, even though we're saved, we're fully righteous in Christ Jesus, but we can have these thoughts? It goes back to what we talked about last week. They're lies. Yeah, that, that's, all, that's all the enemy has is lies, is, is, is fake, is, is something that's not real. But how many, how many of you have seen a movie, a scary movie or a, or a suspenseful movie, and your heart was beating fast, like you were nervous? I was talking to Chris about this yesterday. We watched the movie, and I remember being nervous of this. It was a scene. It was, it was like a fighting movie or whatever. This scene, this guy was coming, and these guys were hiding like in a bathroom. And I remembered distinctively watching it by myself, and, my, and I was scared. Like, I was frightened <laughs> by it. But how many of you know if I would have been on set and seen the mics and the booms and all that stuff, I wouldn't have been afraid. I would have been like, what are these guys afraid of? I mean, it's just, that's not even a real knife. It's like plastic. <laughs> but, we, but we can be tricked, and we can be fooled into thinking that we are in danger. I mean, we can really think that we're in danger. I tell you, and some of you guys know this, not that long ago, I thought I was dying. Like, I, I was fully convinced I was a goner. <laughs> Emily will tell you, my kidneys were shutting down. I knew it. I, I Googled it. My kidneys were, they were shutting down. I was done. I went to two different ERs and seriously was, was trembling in fear and completely <laughs> rude to the, not her, but it was a different nurse, to another nurse who was trying to basically tell me that it was all in my head and that she, she was trying to give me medication for it. I was like, you don't understand. I'm dying. <laughs> but listen, 
listen, there was some stuff going on, but I wasn't dying, obviously. They kept, just kept telling me, you're perfectly, you're like, you're perfectly healthy. No, I'm not. But I was fully convinced there was something, and, and I look back now on it, and it was a spiritual attack, I really do, and, and Emily touched on that, and I was like, and, and honestly, I keep highlighting Emily, sorry, Emily, but honestly, Emily sent me a text, and it was only because it was from her that I even read it, because, and she, she kind of called me out, and she's like, look, do you think this might be a spiritual attack? You think it might? She said, I'm not trying to call you crazy or anything, but you think this, <laughs> seriously, she said, so I'm not trying to say you're crazy or anything, but do you think some of this might be just in your head, you're, you're afraid? And I were going, oh, that's crazy. Oh, maybe she's right. You know, let, me, let me at least look at this objectively. Like, let me, okay, okay, let's look back and see everything. And so I did. I began to pray about it. And a lot of it was. A lot of it really was. I was, I had, I was in Birmingham for work. I was away from Trinity on her birthday. And I, I thought, I'm going to die in a hotel room on Trinity's birthday. I just knew it. She's going to remember that for the rest of her life. is going to ruin her birthday. But I really did. I remember thinking that. I told one of my coworkers who drove me to the hospital because I was in a complete panic. And I was like, I can't, I can't die. It's my daughter's birthday. I can't die. And so, uh, so anyway, you can be completely convinced of something even if it's not real. And I'm <laughs> actual physical proof of that, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm run through a few more scriptures that just talk about this real quick, and then we're gonna we're gonna kind of settle in on one here. Ecclesiastes 11:10 says, "Remove sorrow from your heart." Literally says, "Remove sorrow from your heart." Colossians 3.15 says, let the, fear, <laughs> let the fear and stress of God control your heart. You think that's what that says? <laughs> y'all don't even catch that. I made myself laugh and y'all don't even catch it. Let the fear and stress of God control your heart. No, it says let the peace of God control your heart. Not fear, not stress, not anxiety. First Peter says, cast all your cares on yourself. <laughs> Does that say it? No, it doesn't say that. It says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Cast me, I've been doing a lot of, I look up the definitions of everything now because apparently that's the thing to do. Cast me is to hurl away violently. So you don't just set it aside and come back to it. You literally hurl it away violently. How, do, how many of you know Jesus is a lion and a lamb? <laughs> sometimes we can rest in him and sometimes we need to stand up like a lion and cast these things out, right? How many times, well, I know with me, my mom and my grandmother were worriers. They worried and stressed about things. And literally, they would, they would say that over and over again. Well, I'm just a worrier. I'm just a worrier. I'm just a worrier. And I found myself doing that when I, when I was growing up. Well, that's just how I am. I'm just a worrier. Have any of you thought, thought that? Well, that's just who I am. I'm just a worrier. I just stress out. It's just who I am. I'm just a nervous person. I'm just anxious. Well, the problem with that is that's, that's your natural man. That's Adam. That's where you were born through. But that's not who you are anymore, right? We, we are the spirit that lives in us. So that warrior was crucified 2,000 years ago, right? If we identify with Christ and Christ lives in us, then we're not warriors anymore, right? If we say, well, we have anxiety because my parents have anxiety or my sisters have anxiety or I'm stressed because it, it just runs in my family tree, well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> not anymore. Just as we were saying, yeah, we don't, we don't have the same family tree. His blood runs through our veins. Now, what's interesting is when we, when we think we're afraid, we think it's just, um, just a thought or it's just something, but it's actually a spirit. The spirit of fear is what the devil tries to lie to us and tell us that we have, and that's what we we're supposed to cast out. That's what we're supposed to say. That's not us, because the, the Bible says we, he does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, peace, and a sound mind. 
You have to literally choose to allow these things to come into your life. You have to pick them up and carry them with you. I remember reading a, a Streams in the Desert was a little devotional I got right after I got saved years ago. And one of the, out of everything that I remembered, the, the, uh, the story that I remembered was of a, a dream this person had. It was a dream about themselves in this, uh, in this kind of heavenly realm. And they were walking around picking up all this baggage and picking up all this stuff. And I remember seeing this bright light and they, they recognized it as Jesus and walked up to him. And they were really exhausted from carrying all this stuff. And they came up to Jesus and said, oh, I'm so tired. And he said, well, why? And she, they said, well, because I I'm, I'm just have all this stuff I'm carrying. He was like, why are you carrying that? That's not for me. Just put it down. <laughs> and that was revelational to me. I was like, oh, that's so good. <laughs> like just a, a light switch came on. Because we literally pick things up that aren't ours. We go, okay, well, I want this, I want this, I want this. And all this worry and stress is not for us. That's not for us at all. And I looked up stress. And the definition of stress is a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. Now, are we, as Christians, are we controlled by our circumstances? But can we let ourselves be controlled by our circumstances? Well, from deception, right? From lies. We can, we can allow ourselves to be controlled by our circumstances. Now, here's what frustrates me is when we get into situations like at work or out in, in just in the community or whatever, and we get frustrated, and we begin to pray these fairly selfish prayers, and I've, I've been guilty of this as well, is we'll begin to pray and say, Lord, just let people be nicer to me or let people not act this way or let me not be in these situations but what we should be praying is lord fill me up so that i can be a better okay think of it this way if 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 you if (laughs) if if you are letting those people affect you they're are they your vine are you abiding in them right if you allow other people to affect the way that you are, that means you're trusting in them to create you, who you are, your personality, the way you react to things. So you're abiding in people. We don't abide in people, do we? Who's the, who's the true vine? It's Jesus, right? So we abide in him. Now, as I begin to look into abiding in vines, um, sorry, I skipped ahead a little bit. Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to the stage, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that, you may be, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Your mind is a part of your heart. We just saw that. If you look through Scripture and you, and you do any kind of word study on the heart, it includes the mind in almost every single one of them. So your mind should believe and meditate on the truth that you receive from it. So if we're receiving, I'm, try, I'm trying to get a visual picture here. Just like we said in the beginning, if the heart is what's giving us this, this is... We receive Christ in our hearts, so our thoughts come from our heart now, right? Our thoughts aren't affected by the people that are around us, so our circumstances don't control who we are. It's our heart that we feed from, right? It's that vine that we abide in. Now, what's interesting about vines, I began to look at actual the image. Do you have that image of the heart? We actually, actually looked at the image of the heart, and it's interesting how vine-like it looks. <laughs> I mean, this is... Where our blood comes from. This is what controls everything. It keeps our mind going. This is what go, it stretches out. Go to the next one. It stretches out through our whole bodies. I also like the, guy, the way this guy stands. <laughs> but it's stre- I seriously, I looked through several of them until I found a decent look. I thought it was pretty funny. Here's all my veins. And so, everything, look, look how it all comes from the heart. Isn't that interesting? That the Lord tells us to abide in Him, that He's the vine. And he's the vine of life. And the very same thing spiritually, visually looks just like a vine and is what keeps us physically alive. What I think we run into a lot of times is 
When we're not abiding in Him, or we're not abiding in this vine, and we're not feeling the Holy Spirit, we begin to abide in other things. We begin to look for other things that can actually fulfill our lives. We begin to make mistakes. We begin to stumble. We begin to mess up. Because we're, we're depending on other people instead of depending on the true vine. You can take that down. Now it's just distracting everybody. So what I found is we abide in the vine, the Spirit of God. It's in your heart, and your mind will be at peace. Now, like I was saying, the, the, the situations that we get in, when we pray these prayers that say, take care of the situation for us, or fix these people so that they're nicer to me, that's going back to trying to manipulate God into what we want him to do, when actually he may want us to go through something. Not that we want bad things to happen to us, but heaven forbid we actually go through something and we react differently than other people and they see it. And they say, oh, that guy's got peace. That guy's got love in the midst of all of his circumstances. Amen. Don't, don't pray away. Listen, we don't, we don't want to pray bad things on us, but don't pray away bad situations necessarily. Pray that you can abide in him regardless of the situation. Amen. Listen, from last week to this week, several of you sent me texts and called talking about struggling with these same things. Listen, don't, don't allow the devil to lie to you and tell you that you're supposed to take that stuff on. That's not for you. Those things aren't for you. He has, it's all, everything he has is good and is love and is pleasing. So when you walk through, and we've walked through some, I know, I know several of your stories and you know mine, we've walked through some bad situations, things we don't want to walk through. But you know, what, you know what revealed the Lord to me when I got saved? Was a guy who just lost one of his best friends walking through the break room at work and just talking about how good the Lord was. And I was like, what? How could you think that? How could you think the Lord's good in the midst of the situation? I, I, it was otherworldly. <laughs> it was beyond human understanding. It was beyond anything that I could. It was just like we talked about Stephen last week. He was being stoned. But he said, I see heaven opened. I see God. I see Jesus at his right hand. I see it. And he prays for these people to forgive him. You think he was in a bad situation? He was at peace. It's like, I see Jesus there. Forgive you. I want Jesus to forgive you guys that are stoning me. I read a story about um, ISIS was persecuting some martyrs. I think it was 12 martyrs. It was several months ago. And the article was a secular article. And it was talking about how they were perplexed. The, the ISIS was perplexed because the people weren't fearful. They couldn't understand why the people weren't afraid. And they executed them all. And one of them, they wrote the story about it, that said uh, at the very end of his life, he gave one of the, the guys, one of the terrorists, a little Bible that he had and said, this little book, the truth in this book will change your life. And he wasn't afraid at all. I'm not trying to like put some kind of guilt trip on you that we need to be martyrs or anything like that. But what I want you to see in that is the peace that he had. We deal with struggles. I understand that. We all have problems. But we can't let those problems overcome the God that lives within us. They can't. All they do is distract us from our purpose. And guess what that does? It makes it all about us again. It's not about the Jesus that gives us life. If we're focused on all of our troubles, how do you know? I mean, you know that's a prideful thing. When you, when you, oh, poor me all the time. Do you ever think about that? When you, when you, when you have these kind of pity parties and you, and you talk about, oh, well, this is bad happened to me and, and then this and then now this and then now this. 
that makes it all about us again. What should we be saying, church? We should be saying, listen, God's going to pull me through this. Listen, we're, we're going to get through this. Everything's going to be okay because I know who my Lord is. I know who my Savior is. I've seen Him do work. I've seen Him heal. I've seen Him love people that we, people thought were unlovable. People thought were unlovable. Um, some of you may have seen on, on Facebook, I, I posted something about my dad. It's interesting because I've got a lot of bad memories about my dad. Some of you guys know it. I used to wait with a BB gun because I was literally going to shoot him if he ever came around. <laughs> but I was a little kid and I was, I was afraid of him and I was angry at him because he left us. And it's a whole lot of drama that goes with that that I'll deal with in another sermon. But basically, he was, he was a bad guy. Well, after he passed away, I got a bunch of articles of all the stuff he did with horses and all these different things. And, and, uh, and one of the articles said, these, these horses were supposed to be untrainable. They were abused horses. And I remember him showing me, even after I got to know him a little bit before he passed away, he'd have bite marks in his side and bruises on him before the horses had bucked him off. But learning a little bit about my dad's history through my mom, he was abused when he was younger as well. And I remember him telling me he loved, this is years ago, I remember him telling me he loved horses more than people <laughs> because he'd been hurt a lot by people. And what's interesting is I began to see the way that we should all see people. I began to see the God that created him in him. Even just looking back, he's not with us anymore, but even looking back, I began to see he was trying to show him something. And he, and he talked about these horses in this article. He's, there's so many articles written about him, how he's this, this incredible like horse whisperer before that was a movie and popular, and how <clears throat> he would build trust and faith between the horses and he would spend time with them and he would love them and he would just sit there with them. And I remember seeing him stand next to horses for hours at a time and just, just hanging out with them and just spending time with them. But I can see now he wanted that. <laughs> That's what he desired, but he never got it. And I began to see things in him that I'd never seen before. Listen, uh, Julie sent me a, or tagged me in a post the other day that talked about seeing people who, for, who they tr- for who they truly are. And it was, it was beautiful. And I, don't, I didn't write it down, but it was, it was really cool. But it was basically saying that when you begin to see people the way that God sees people, you see that actual person. You really see them for the first time, and you are actually seeing for the first time. Listen, if we're not looking at people through grace lenses, through God's love lenses, we're always going to look at people and, and think negatively because we're all screwed up. Amen. I mean, let's be honest. We're all messed up. Unless we can start seeing people by, how? by abiding in the vine, right? Because we know who he is, and then we begin to produce that same thing that we see in him. Just like he said... And, and there's, there's, there's practical teaching. There's understanding of how we do that. How do we, we talk to each other. We work with each other. And we do outreaches. And we, we have deep discussions. Beta group meets over here and has these iron sharpening iron discussions. We meet and we talk about life at, at Grace Unplugged. And we hang out and we, we just talk about these things. And we have prayer groups and we love each other. And we go to see movies and we hang out. And we get to know each other. And we begin to see people differently than we saw them before. Listen, I stayed far from people for years. I was a very scared, timid um, introvert and I was afraid to ever open up to anybody because people were bad and let's be honest a lot of people are bad in the natural <laughs> but think about what we would look like as a church what our community would look like if we begin to see people the way God sees people and call that up in them listen you can beat people up all you want I, I did not be, need to be convinced that I was a sinner <laughs> or that I was screwing up. I was fully aware of it without knowing anything about Scripture. I knew I was wrong in what I was doing. But it was the love of God that changed me. 
It was his love that came down and said, I love you just the way you are, and I don't expect anything in return. And it's that kind of love that makes me want to do more. It's not, it's not a, a, a conditional love that's based on what I can do for him. Now, this is, this is a description of who we are in Christ. Romans 6, 6 through 14. It says, Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For in light of the fact that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But in light of the fact that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive in God and Christ. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for what? Righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. Amen. Listen, we don't, come to, we don't come to church to, to see how bad we are and to feel better about our sin. We come to church to see how righteous we are. This is who you are. You are righteous in Christ. That gives us no excuse to not see other people the same way. It takes away. It levels the playing field, right? We have to see people that way now because he sees us that way. If you don't know the love of God, you don't know who you are. 90% of what we worry about doesn't hurt near as much as the worry itself. We worry, we worry about worrying. <laughs> and if we try to stop it on our own, we'll just create more worry. <laughs> Earlier I talked about casting, hurling away with violent force. Cast worry away. Where do we cast it? We cast it to him. Where else are we going to cast it? Why is it important that we deal with our fear and anxiety? It's necessary that we understand who we are because we were created to love people. You're not using your love when you love people. It's His love. Listen, Tracy, and I want to preface this by saying that Tracy is extremely frugal. I'm not saying that she's extravagant by any means. Most of you guys know where we shop at bargain places. Anytime, and we talked about this before, anytime that we're together and we go buy clothes, I hate clothes shopping. I hate clothes shopping. But she loves clothes shopping. And so I sit a lot and look on my phone a lot. And then she shows up with a, a bunch of clothes and starts showing to me and asks me if, she, if I like them. Do you like this? Do you like this? Do you like this? I don't know if you've ever been through that. Like this? Do you like this? Do you like this? And it's mind-numbing. And... And then I'll ask her for each one. I'm like, well, how much is it? And she'll go, I don't know. And then my mind, like, explodes. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? Like, I start getting a tick. You don't know how much it costs? How do you not know? How do you not know how much it costs? For me, that's in direct relation of how much I like it is how much it costs. <laughs> like, I like that shirt. Not that much. <laughs> I like it like $10 or $15. I don't like it $60. I don't like that shirt. And so really, I really have a hard time with it. And she knows that. She does it all the time, too. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? She's like, I don't know. Oh, I need to know. I need to know how much it is. Because that'll determine how much I like it. Anyway, 
But I asked her before, before I preached this, I asked her, I was like, well, why do you do that? And she said, well, when you're not with me, and she's right, I didn't think about it. She said, when you're not with me, I always call you to check with you to see if I can spend this much or whatever because we make sure what's in the account, all that kind of stuff. Um, and not that I ever really say no, but she said, when I'm with you, I know you'll do it for me. I know you'll get it for me. I just know you will because you love me. I mean, seriously. And I do. I'm like, yep, you got me. <laughs> yes, you can. Not to mention the fact I probably bought some stupid thing that cost twice as much. Well, that doesn't work into my sermon, so ignore it. But she knows that I love her. We're going to go with that. She knows that I love her, and she knows that I'm going to get it for her. So when you love people, listen, it's not your account that you're using. It's not your card you're swiping, right? We know that he loves us. We don't run out of it, right? So we can, we can swipe away. It is, but that's tied to this. That's tied to this. So, it shouldn't be because, here, and here's what's happened. Another thing that we run into is jealousy when other people get blessed or jealousy when other people are loved. We think that, well, we want, we want that stuff or we want to be loved. But listen, God's love is unlimited. He doesn't run out of, he's, I don't know, he might be made of the stuff. I mean, seriously, God is love. And so when you're loving people, you don't run out of it. You're not going to be hurt if you're abiding in Him. If you're abiding in them, you might be, because that would be dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's not smart. Think about it. If you're abiding in other people, if you're, if you're expecting other people to give you joy in our marriage, in any marriage, if I'm expecting them to fully give me everything that I need, one of us is going to let the other one down, right? But no, if we both look to the Lord and we abide in Him, then we can love each other fully, Right? Because we're abiding in someone who is made of the stuff. We're, we're not taking it out of our own account. We don't run out of it. So this, same thing with your kids too. You do the same thing with them. You, you love them, which can be difficult sometimes. <laughs> what I'm saying is you don't, you, don't, you don't stop doing it. It's a continual thing. It just goes on and on and on and on. And my timer's running out. So, all right. He is love. And where does he live? If Jesus is love, where does he live? He lives in our hearts, right? Two-thirds, when I was looking through Scripture, two-thirds of the Trinity lives within us. It says Christ lives in our hearts. It says the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. We've got two-thirds of the Trinity on our side. That's pretty awesome. Complete communication with the Father, and we've got love unconditional with other people. We can do it. We can love people unconditionally, not expecting them to do something for us in return, right? Listen, you guys stand up with us. I'm gonna, we had an awesome time this morning. I had planned on doing some more prayer here, but we're just going to close, and, and we'll be here to pray if you guys need prayer, but... Listen, if you've never experienced that love, um, you may have experienced this morning in worship. He can heal you like that. But we're going to dismiss, and we'll, Trace and I are going to hang out here a little bit, and uh, Melvin and Libby will come up, and, uh, and the Turners, if you guys will come up. Um, we're going to pray for you guys. I'll pray for you, we'll dismiss, and we'll have a time of prayer. But listen, if you've never experienced that, and you want to you feel that kind of love, or if you just want to be reminded of who you are in Him, or you just want to pray... Just feel free to come up here. We, we want to love you and we want to pray for you. Um, and so I'm going to pray over you all together and then we're going to dismiss. Father, thank you for this time we had. Father, thank you for the awesome worship this morning. Father, thank you for your, your sweet spirit um, that in a moment can do more than, than, than anything that we could, we, could, uh, we could manufacture ourselves, Father. That in a moment, your Holy Spirit can move and can change us from the inside out. Father, thank you. 
for allowing us to abide in you so that we don't have to depend on other people to give us that joy. Father, continue in us as we leave this place to just produce that joy and to show it to other people. Father, as we go through situations, Father, that we would would abide in you and we would just continue to broadcast that love around the city to everyone that we see. Father, thank you for these awesome people, for this awesome family of believers. And Father, thank you for the love that that we've already gotten and the love that you're going to continue to pour out on this place. Give us boldness. And prepare a way for us as we go out this week, Father, that we we would find people that we could build up and call out in them who they really are. Father, give us those lenses. Give us those grace glasses that we can see people for who they really are. Father, let us see their spirit, man. Father, let it rise up in us as we rise up in other people. Father, we love you and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You guys are dismissed.